We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another one. Susan B. Anthony. Welcome to Space Bras, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Mary Johnston, and with me is a lady who looks good in anything, including a mortar board, Kate Whitney. Hey, girl. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> Remember in Gossip Girl where, when Serena was too cool to wear a mortar board to her own graduation, so she just tied the tassel directly into her hair? Yeah, remember in Gossip Girl where Serena uh, is maybe one of the most insufferable characters that was ever created? Remember in Gossip Girl how <laughs> those are like the absolute worst types of white people in existence? Yeah. Remember yeah. how white people are the worst, especially this week in time in history forever? <sighs> yeah. We recorded this podcast a couple weeks ago, and even our initial bumper one week ago. In that bumper, we acknowledged the tragic loss of black lives across the country with George Floyd's murder at the hands of police acting as a catalyst that sparked an uprising, one that I'm happy to report is still happening today. We know some podcasts have chosen not to release their episodes at this time. Our podcast is a celebration of feminism, and not just feminism, but intersectional feminism, which means striving for the equality and uplift of all of our brothers and sisters. In the words of Flavia Dozan, my feminism will be intersectional or it will be bullshit. And silence isn't the answer. Right now, we are issuing a call to action for our white listeners. There has never been a better time to get involved in the anti-racist movement, to sit, listen, and amplify the voices of Black people around you. If you can protest safely, do. If you can donate money, do. Contact local and national government. Fucking vote. And have difficult conversations with family. We're quarantined. It's harder to look away and distract ourselves. Let's capitalize on that. To our Black listeners, this isn't going to be a one-off statement. As we've done with COVID-19, this reality is something we will acknowledge and update in our podcast ongoing. We still have a really fun Booksmart two-parter for you that we're dropping today. But feminism and our work doesn't happen in a vacuum, and we're not stopping today. Blair Underwood, who has acted in the sci-fi vehicles like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Deep Impact, as well as the series Dear White People, posted the following statement on Twitter Thursday. Some are posting on social media. Some are protesting in the streets. Some are donating silently. Some are educating themselves. Some are having tough conversations with friends and family. A revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. Keep your foot on the gas. Thank you. Please check the podcast description for links to where you can donate to support this uprising. May it be an actual turning point for America, the likes of which we have never seen. Black Lives Matter. Please keep your foot on the gas. It's, it's bad out there, guys. We can make it better, though. All right, let's dive into this zany <laughs> tonal shift. <laughs> yeah, now we're going to have a total tonal shift. Um, also, you know, congratulations, all recent graduates. This is our first of a two-part series of graduation episodes, and we're going to be talking about the effervescent Booksmart. Booksmart kind of represents our bread and butter in terms of interests, feminist buddy comedy, coming-of-age story, and it's two bestie feminists who came of age together. We had a lot to say. 
We recommend listening to both parts of the Booksmart episode, uh, but we broke it down into two episodes to make it a bit more manageable. Please enjoy. All right. Well, I'm so happy that, Mary, we're here today to talk about Booksmart, uh, which is a movie that I really enjoy. Uh, like, uh, in a world full of coming-of-age high school movies about dudes comes uh, the female answer to Superbad, but instead of, like, a remake, they make something really special and its specificity and saying something totally different and still important. And I think it's also a movie of great comedy. Uh, Mary, what are your thoughts? What was your first impression? Well, the script was kicking around Hollywood for a really long time, and I knew about it because I'm a huge fan of Sarah Haskin, who is one of the writers on this. She was one of the original writers mm-hmm. of the story. Um, back from when she was on current TV and did um, t- Target Women. Sexy, clean, cool. healthy, oh, I, re- I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like how the media uh, markets things to women and how absurd it is. Like, uh, like yogurt. So she covers such topics as like yogurt and like doofy husbands and stuff. Um, and I adore her. I, I also liked her unfortunately named TV show Trophy Wife, which I think would have been on for many seasons if it wasn't called that. Um, yeah, probably. But I also so I knew about the script. I was excited about it. I was following it. And then when I found out that I saw the trailer uh, and thought it looked really fun. And then also I am obsessed with Beanie Feldstein who is Molly in this. Um, I was just really excited. Like I could not have been more hyped for this movie. And then totally. it, I, I think lived up to all of my hype, but just took it in a really different direction. It wasn't the movie I was expecting, but it was the movie I, I needed. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I feel like that touches on for me, something that's really special and profound about this is just how seen it makes me feel. Um, like, to have a movie with so many throwaway lines that, like, reflect things that I care about. Want to give us a little plot overview? Yeah, hell yeah. So two high school seniors uh, don't find out until the last day of classes, even though they didn't party and they worked hard constantly. Their college prep school cohorts are all going to go to Ivy League schools, too. The people who did party. So everyone else did both, study and have fun. So Molly tells Amy that they have one night to party to do both and to change their stories what took them four years we're gonna do in one night (laughs) and what comes is a gorgeous hilarious and its specificity masterpiece about the female experience and female friendship as well as still having universal themes about that you expect from a coming-of-age film in other words i think it's kind of fucking perfect and i'm sure i'm overselling it for some people but for others you'll agree i'm selling it the perfect amount so I'm, that's my, that's I'm surprised by how I mean, obviously, when you read reviews of this movie, there are things that are just like negative for the sake of being negative or like politically sure, bothers sure, sure. people like, of course. But I'm more talking about like people who seem like they're on board with it and are just like, just not that very funny. I think this movie is really funny. I don't know. This movie is very funny. Like, it's, I don't. And again, like, go ahead. I mean, like, it's not I rem- I know. I kind of know what they're talking about. Like, I remember seeing, like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler's movie Baby Mama, which I thought was going to be the funniest movie of all time, and being like, it's not that good. Okay. So I understand... It was was a lot of, meh. Yeah, I understand, or, like, I feel that way, um, and this is incredibly controversial, about the movie Anchorman. I think it's just okay. (laughs) Dude, no, that, that... So that's the thing, is what other people, I guess, feel about this film... 
hot take I feel about most of the films that they feel the opposite about. Like, all right, so I had this conversation with my lovely, lovely housemate who was like, I mean, but Superbad's just so quotable. Like, have you ever quoted this movie? I'm like, well, A, I, I never have quoted Superbad. And B, yes, I have. And he was like, so like, what do you say, like Malala? And I'm like, no, I'm more likely to be like, who allowed you to be so beautiful? Who allowed you to take my breath to away? To take my breath away. <laughs> like, it's so good. Booksmart is more subversive in that it it dares you to realize that there are no bad kids in high school. There are no mean kids in high school. Everybody is yeah. doing their best and everybody is with, self-conscious. With, with whatever deck of cards that they have in front of them, they're playing the best hand they possibly can. And I think to yes and what you're saying... What I find to be incredibly valuable about this film is that the subject matter of what the jokes are, like, it's not about, like, two girls trying to get laid. It's about two really smart, capable women being like, we need to cram in some fun. Yeah. Like, if all the world is full of fairy male perspective and then the antidote is Broad City, this is, like, the Broad City of movies. I say that as as a high compliment in terms of it's nice to see humor that I can laugh at every single fucking joke in, in the movie and not just be like, Bleh, you know, does that make sense? I think that Superbad is to workaholics as bra- as Booksmart is to Broad City. That's, a, that's They are fair. doing... They're still irreverent. I think they're both good. Like, they both... They're, they are. I uh, We've laughed a lot about workaholics. Yeah, they know? both make me laugh. The one I haven't seen, I might hate Superbad now. I don't know. <laughs> I'd have to watch it again. I haven't visited it in over 10 years. I'm pretty sure the last time I saw it was in theaters. Like I And I remember laughing really hard. What's exciting about this is that at the end of it, with, some, with one possible exception, which we can get to, I feel like I understand every woman in this movie and every character in this movie yep. who, for who they are as people. Even though, even though I think that comparing it to um, other obvious uh, coming of age stories is is a little bit whack, um, I do whack. think that there is something to be said for the universality. Yeah, the universality of coming of age movies and how surprising it is that when you watch other stories about about teenagers and graduation and being a young adult how pieces of it always really ring true for you. Like, sure, the technology changes, the fashion changes. There are cultural moments. We're just culturally in a pretty different space. But, like, when I watch something like like Adventures in Babysitting, those things still feel real to me. And I guess it's just because a lot of the story, um, the notes, the emotional notes that stories hit are basically true for everybody because being a teenager now is not that different from being a teenager 10 years ago. Like, except you just have more options almost have, or different have, options. You have different like, options and you uh, are more aware of certain issues but than, than like than 13 years ago when I graduated high school. But it's still, you're still in a place where you both are 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 dying for autonomy and you know like being asked to be an adult but also still like being held back like all these things are about to fundamentally and foundationally change no matter how much you want them to or not to you know like that all that all is is universal and the basic ideas of like what it means to be friends what it means to fall in love and i think even more importantly kind of reminiscing that this is the best the the longest shortest time this is the the best and the worst and it's fleeting and your life 
after this moment does fundamentally change in a way that means you can never go home again. Like, I think that that is the reason that they speak to people and ring so true. You know, I always return to the line you don't from um, from that Boy Least Likely To song. You never make friends like the friends you make when you're young. That is true. And part of it is because you are learning so much about yourself and how the world works and like exiting adolescence where you're basically a little sociopath. (laughs) And and if you can connect with another human and empathize with them and love them, then that will probably stay with you for a really long time. And not not just love them. Like I think with this movie and what a lot of those movies, but you know, this one obviously struck really true for me. It's, it's the level of, both understanding, empathizing, and accepting. Like, you don't just love someone, but to yeah. be accepted by them for exactly who you are in that moment, you know? And and respected. And yeah. I think that that is... Res- so I think, I think acceptance is Molly's character arc. Yeah. And I think that um, Amy's character arc is, res- is respect, sort yeah. of. And how those two things inner mesh and and the the power dynamic i mean like broadly speaking this movie is about power dynamics overall like the whole idea that molly more so than amy but you kind of get the sense that amy feels a similar way about this that they they sort of boosted up their life choices because they thought that it meant that they could get somewhere so much better than everybody else and to find out that that is ultimately futile like breaks down their concept of the power dynamics that they had basically been hanging their hat on all through high school. Yeah. And it turns their world upside down. It turns down. the world upside down to realize it's not actually a meritocracy. And like that, that's established yeah. in like the first seconds of this movie where you hear that affirmation that um, Molly does every morning. Visualize what you still want to achieve. Stand atop the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Isn't that hilarious? It's Maya Rudolph's voice. I love it. It's just, it's it's amazing. It's hilarious. And and you're, you're right. I'd never put it quite like that in terms of power dynamics. I did call out like the structures of like what a meritocracy is and what expectations expectations are and like if you sacrifice this you will get this like gets totally upended in a way that is real <laughs> and good so good good it's to very show. helpful yeah absolutely absolutely the other teen teen movie or coming of age movie i can think of that deals so directly and head-on with the idea of like power dynamics in high school is mean girls which I think when you compare the structure and end message of Mean Girls and you compare the structure and end message of this, I would say that Mean Girls lands Mean Girls lands in a in a equal but separate place. Yeah. Like they they just reshuffle so they're all in different little they're all in different little clicks. clicks. Yeah, but you're still like stuck yep. in that system. Now that I think about it, I almost feel like Mean Girls is a better companion to Superbad than this movie. That would make sense in terms of like timeline. And also like parts of Mean Girls feels very after school special, not in a way that's like bad. Like that movie was very important when it came out, but in a way that like this never feels like I am entering into an after-school special territory. And part of that, I think, is the filmic techniques that are used uh, for this movie. But it's so funny because later on, uh, I have kind of a list of tropes you see in coming of age, like the speech, you know, that someone makes. And 
I feel like Katie Herring creating a speech when there wasn't one feels so after school special compared to like hearing Molly because of the way they structure it. And this is brilliant. You get to hear both what Molly originally wrote or delivered hilariously and perfectly by Jared. I am a woman. I am a powerful woman. And I'm ready to take the fists of my femininity to the status quo. Straight white man, your time is okay. With everybody being like, oh, oh, ah, oh, yikes. And how angry it <laughs> is. And how angry it is. And then you see her after enlightenment speech, which is, if you had any beef with the beginning of the movie, it's that like, you see the dark underbelly of ambition being that like, you know, she thinks that she deserves more than other people, you know? And like, and that she's like destined for greatness or whatever. But then she literally calls that out herself at the end. And it's like, I thought I was better than you. And I think part of it was that I was kind of scared of you, but you all are actually pretty great. So, you know, go forth and, and, and continue to be great. Don't, don't become an asshole. A lot more powerful to me than like, Let's let's share this plastic crown. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I didn't mean to come down on Mean Girls. Yeah. I, no. <clears throat> anyway, uh, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I, you know, it's fine. It's worthwhile talking about comparisons in order to highlight what makes this novel and successful in a weird, like that Bella Victorian speech shouldn't work, and a lot of and a lot of other movies it wouldn't work. It would feel after school special. It doesn't feel that way in this. And unearned. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel an unearned. Yes. These female uh, writers, and I'm also going to give Olivia Wilde a shout out as the director who got this movie made. Um, and I think it is directed beautifully, but these writers were able to construct a movie in which you get to live in this duality of both like both we never have to worry that Amy and Molly are about to be sexually assaulted. And yet, we we get a nod to the fact that there is a gross, seedy underbelly. And they are able to, to be victorious over a guy who is a strangler and a violent dude. Like, we both get to have the fun of that dude in the car, like, giving them shit about trusting people. And then also, Amy leaving her phone in his car allows the cops to, like come and take him down and Amy to get to go to graduation. Track him. Yeah. That's an interesting piece. I almost feel like it's sort of even he they view with kindness. Like that whole speech is awesome. And when you hear him give it, you are like, yeah, don't trust people. Like what's wrong with you? And it's so funny that even he understands himself. Yeah. Like as they are growing, like he under he is what he is. He is the, what knocks, right? He's the danger. Yeah. And he's like, this he's is like, out he's there. He's like, dude. I'm the danger. Here I am. I am the yeah. danger. Stop trusting the danger. Like, I think that that moment stands, even if he doesn't turn out to be sure, uh, sure, sure. the strangler. But it adds, it it adds a level of zaniness to it that I, I think the movie is sort of it's, it makes it more yeah. fun that he is. For no, sure. I think it, I think it adds. That's and that's what I mean. Like, I think it both adds zaniness and also adds like a level of stakes. Like, it gets to be funny, but also like, ugh. Oof, woof. But like, that's also being a woman in the world. Yeah. You know? Realistic. It's It feels very realistic in that you're like, no, it's not like they wouldn't go out. It's just that what they're doing is truly yes. risky. Like, yes. And they're just young and they're dumb. Young and, and they dumb. don't know. They haven't learned enough of the world. And I would rather, you know, young girls get to learn by watching this movie than, you know, through actual action. So something I think that makes this movie so successful are the filmic techniques. Not only... The color grading and the quality of the filming is is pretty and fun. And the music, I I sometimes listen to the the 
the soundtrack and I'm, I mean like the original composition or whatever uh, when I'm working um, as music in the background. But I like the, these interstitial fantasy sequences that are gorgeous and high concept. You have the drug trip, which feels like a reference to Team America World Police, but also is a beautiful way to add to the plot a discussion of unrealistic beauty standards that Barbie and her ilk uh, perpetrate among women. And the fact that they are the highly sexualized versions of the characters that they are signed in this dinner theater is also like a fun bit of like attention to detail. Also, the deep understanding and kindness of not making Molly the fatter of the two, and I'm saying this is a fatter woman, like be the one who's not seduced by her own beautified body. Yeah. I really appreciate that. That scene crumbles into nothingness if Molly is the one who loves being like a Barbie doll, like having a Barbie doll figure. It's so much funnier and better to have that like, Amy, a lesbian who maybe doesn't like know how she fits right. in the world, like fall in love with with, with this fantasized idea. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. I yes, I had never even considered what what would happen if it had been Molly instead. And you're you're absolutely right. It would crumble into nothingness, or it would be like incredibly problematic. Also, Beanie would never do it because she doesn't do roles that are t- are are like about like sad fat girl stories, which I love her for. Good for fucking her. Yeah, good for her. That is canon. I've listened to a uh, so she was in a, really into musical theater. She was in Hello Dolly. She's um, but she's Barnaby's love interest. Yeah, and because she's into musical theater, when she was young, people were like, "Oh, you'd be such a good Tracy Turnblatt," and she was like, "You know." I'm not defined by this. My roles are not limited to that. And Tracy Turnblatt is a cool character and Hairspray, especially the original John Waters movie, is a masterpiece and very cool in lots of ways. But Tracy Turnblatt is completely defined by her physique. Yeah. And the idea and the humor behind an attractive man being attracted to a fat girl. And that is not what we need right now. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. That is a story that does not help very many people in the world. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more about that because there, that comes up more like uh, when we get into the characters. But but yeah, no, yeah. well, well spotted, well stated. Two other things I just want to call out as interesting, like from a cinematography standpoint, scenes are the Molly fantasy dance sequence with Nick, wherein she like mm. comes to the party and the lighting fades and sound blanks out. And like you see an actual beautifully choreographed looks like they go from being like in a house to onto a stage like dance sequence that's so sweet and i think it reveals the fact that her hard edges are mostly of course mostly bluster because remember at the beginning when she's talking to um the the theater kids yeah and she's like why would you do theater when you can do debate but then in her fantasy it's like a busby berkeley musical absolutely like absolutely absolutely i love and it's so and it's so gentle and it's so gentle like you don't judge her for why she puts up that hard casing but you also don't don't hate her or you don't hate her for having a hard shell but you also love her soft middle it's very human it's it's funny because like you hear later on like you know amy be called out like about like having like such a hard friend just being like her like sidekick or whatever and it's like no, it's it's just that the rest of the world sees the hard edges and Amy doesn't have to deal with them because they're already safe together. The last one I wanted to call out was the pool sequence, which I feel like is also oh, like beautiful. The, um, submerging into water and being reborn. Like that's like that's a pretty typical scene. But like this functions almost as a music video for uh, Slip Away uh, by Perfume Genius. It's just it's so 
It's a beautiful sequence. It's beautifully done. And that's the stuff that elevates this above so many other, so many movies out, period. That's that's something that I love about this is not only is it a coming of age, not only is it funny, not only is it feminist, we'll discuss that, but it's also cinematically interesting and beautiful and worth celebrating, you know? Yeah. I love that pool sequence, too, because I feel like it is it is like shot in a highly fantasy way. Right. Like, but it perfectly captures what it feels like when you were a teenager and maybe even as an adult. But I I think it just sort of changes um, as you age. Yeah. What it feels like to do something that is ultimately completely benign. They're going swimming. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, it's but, not... but feels so, like, risky and daring. Yeah, transgressive and exciting and just, just like, exactly what you want to do. You just want to feel, like, free and able to be yourself. And, like, it perfectly captures that. And then to then have the her, like, kind of, like, her world, like, crash down around and be like, no, the cute girl I like likes the cute guy my friend likes like that in to to juxtapose those two incredibly intense and incredibly realistic emotional beats right after each other like i i almost cried when i saw it the first yeah. time it's so heartbreaking and you know that like nobody is to blame yeah like i think that that is the important moment because you know that like ryan and nick feel the same way like they are having a similar transcendent teenage experience at the same time that amy is amy is just our main character but from their perspective that moment is even more perfect right like they just they carry they carry that like freedom and wildness like even further And have no idea that they hurt her. No, of course, of course not. So you don't even you don't hate them for no, it. not at not at all. You know, like it's so smart, it's beautifully done. It's clever. It's, it's so great. smart. Yeah, let's dive into characters. Um, I guess because we've already been talking about Molly, I think that she's a great place to start. You already mentioned that she won't do roles about the sad fat girl. Something if you were going to call anything in this film, and I because I think it does. Again, walking two lines duality. There's a scene early on where we see, like, the cruelty of kids, but it's it's something that gets, like, addressed and also, like, isn't the cruelty the way that you normally see where it's like, oh my god, Molly is, like, fat and ugly. It's like, Molly's hot. I would put a bag over her personality. Molly's hot, but she's a little intense. She doesn't know herself, and I'd put a bag over her personality instead. That's so powerful, and also, like, you know, you you and I have talked about the fact that, like, uh, offline, she can dish as well as she can get. It is also really great to see her do the takedown. And then it also justifies Annabelle, like, calling her out afterwards. Absolutely. I love her speech about, like, how her, her vagina is stuffed with diplomas. Soon it's going to be stuffed with job offers and glowing profiles and commendations from the governor. So... <laughs> It's just amazing. It's such an amazing fucking lie. Molly, you psychopath. I fucking love it. She she is. Like, that's the thing. She starts off as an angry psychopath who feels like she's at war with, like, her fellow student to be, like, recognized for her superiority. And and then gets a harsh dose of reality that, like, both probably these kids are all smart, but also, like, that's not the way that the world works. I'm sure that those kids are smart. We heard them talking about how they're smart, but I also went to like college prep high school where like, yeah, the kids are probably smart, but like everyone was getting into Ivy League schools. I want to get this into this more in the pro- like 
kind of my main problematic piece has to do with this. But at this point, do you think that they're in a public high school? I kind of think so. I think it's a charter high school. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But like, they're not in like, I didn't get the sense that this is like a ritzy private school. No, 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 not at all. I'm just comparing it to the college prep school I went to because I think this is a charter school. Right. And you probably knew kids who got into like big gun Ivy League schools. Yes. But not everybody. Oh my, but so many of them. Like... My, or like I'm, you I'm not gonna kids lie. Who did not I was told. Oh probably. my god! I was not cruelly, but I was told not to apply to places that we couldn't afford. Um, you know, and yeah, and I don't regret not going to Harvard or Yale or Columbia. I feel really nope. good about where I went, and I got a big ass yep. scholarship to go. So, um, you know, life is fine. But I didn't even apply to those schools. But yeah, constantly around me. People were talking about the Ivy Leagues they were getting into or had gotten into, and it was like, and and I I always thought of my poor friend Stowe. Like Stowe, I thought of when I watched this movie. He and I were friends in high school. Mary knows him, but like that moment where he finds out like all those all the kids like are also going to like nice schools, and that the one who like repeated uh, seventh grade three times is going straight into coding for Google with a uh, great pennies and mid six figure salary. Stowe would have like, I think cried a little bit in that moment just because he always wanted karma to mean something. And it just doesn't like, that's not how the world works. So anyway, <laughs> it doesn't. No, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. doesn't. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm straight state school trash and proud of it. I get good education. <laughs> I turned into a cool person. I met a lot of cool people. It does not matter. Where we're you literally it does matter where you... a podcast. Like we're doing, we're doing good guys. All right. We're fine. I mean, guys, guys, <laughs> obviously we're cool. No, um, but like, I really truly believe it does not really matter where you go to school it doesn't for most people it really doesn't matter um it's what you do with it when you're there it's about it's about how much you take advantage of your education some schools set you up for more success in an easier time than others molly highly ambitious plans to join the supreme court uh be the youngest justice ever president of her class has a healthy layer of sarcasm and bad bitch not caringness at least that she projects and has found Amy as a wonderful best friend. Molly, to me, is like a realistic portrait of Tracy Flick from Election. Like, Tracy, if you rec- have you seen Election? Do it's you know what I'm been about? years. I know exactly what you're talking about. Matthew Broderick and yeah. Reese Witherspoon. But I don't remember. So if you recall correctly, the movie Election is told about a, is told from the perspective of a sexual predator being, or not, a friend of a sexual predator being furious at the victim, who is Tracy Flick, right? Yeah. Like, that is the story. And now there are lots of thought pieces that came out maybe, like, a couple years ago about how, like, if you watch it now, you realize that, like, Tracy Flick... It must have been right after the election. Tracy Flick, like, represents um, Hillary Clinton, like, an unlikable woman, right? And you see this, like, the anger that men have, that, like, little men have towards her and how um, revolting it really is because she's a kid, like she's she's a, she's a kid. kid. Also, like if we if she, even if oh. she wasn't a kid, power dynamics guy. Like fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little bit soft. I mean, I think in the movie it's pretty clear you are supposed to identify just by the way it's told with Matthew Broderick. Um, so I think it's a little bit revision, revisionist to say that it's actually you're supposed to realize that he's the bad guy and Tracy's the good guy. 
Oh, 100%. Especially since you realize. No, you're, it, especially it's, it's just like a temporary it, read of it, but no. Right. Especially since it's implied heavily that she's having an affair with the Republican senator that she then works for and was like the opposite of what she said she wanted. But Molly, if you if Molly is Tracy Flick, but with heart and with empathy and with kindness applied to her, like she is she doesn't care about being likable. She is an overachiever. She's very pushy. She's going to get what she wants. But like if when bad things happen to Molly, we feel bad for her. Like it applies. We see it from her perspective and she's never victimized to the same degree that Tracy Flick is. Thank God, because I would break my heart if that was true. No, absolutely. I love that these girls don't get victimized in that way. Yeah, but it's like a, it's a feminist read and like kind of a, I feel like a rehashing of this character in a way that you don't we, we won't get a million um, thought pieces about how this explains how Trump won or whatever, because it's so real. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. It's so real. We know people. I know people like Molly. I know um, I know people like Molly. There are parts of Molly yeah. that uh, like smaller parts that I identify with, you know, like. Um, some of them on my best days and some of them on my worst days. Uh, yeah. I, I identify highly with Molly, except that I do care about being likable. I'm like weaker than Molly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I care about being likable. I identify highly with, uh, Amy as well, though. And not just because, <clears throat> hey guys, I haven't said it lately. I'm gay. Um, is it because you both are lesbians? <laughs> No, that's gotta um, be it, right, Kate? What's What's funny is, you know, I, I just I just told you all if I didn't cut it um, <laughs> that, that I was told repeatedly by my peers that I was the only feminist in our school. Um, you know, I remember one girl approaching me and being like, "Does that mean you're like a hairy legged lesbian?" And at the time, I had literally no idea I was gay, and I was like, "No, <laughs> obviously not." Flash forward, also, like, like also like to twenty twenty. Like, way way to add ask that in a very leading way. If, like <laughs> if it were true, would you have felt empowered to say yeah? No, well, no, hilar- hilarious and no, but like also flash forward to like uh, being thirty one and it being a pandemic and having the hairiest legs and being a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I remind you, you're the gr- you're the woman they warned her about. Yeah. I I can see that. I don't know if our I, I don't identify us. No, I, I no, no. Very the, broad city about yes, this. and that like in that I think both we're both polarities. a of both yes, of them. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. So I don't think it. I don't think it's as simple as like you're the Molly and I'm the Amy. Because no, I. There are a lot of times where I'm like Amy fucking. And what's what's interesting is, you know, Amy must speak up because she's called protest girl, and she's the reason why they have a yes. special bathroom and. Like these are yep. the way the reasons why I identify with her is like being called protest girl. Um, <laughs> uh, I same. identify with her. I identify with her when she's playing her man. Her is it a mandolin or what is that harp? <gasps> thing <that she laughs> yeah, has? no, it's a ukulele or something. It's like a it's like a medieval instrument. It's weirder than that. It's like one of those things that I I've seen it a million times. It's like a, a wooden board that has strings and you hold it like a hand harp when she's playing it. And she's like singing to Molly, and she's like, if you "Don't say something in the next ten minutes. I'm gonna take you to the hospital. I don't wanna say I'm getting concerned, but to be honest, I'm getting concerned. This is fuck. 
Everything yeah. I identify with her so strongly in that moment. Yeah. No, it's so funny. I've been Amy many times in my <laughs> life. Absolutely. In that Absolutely. No, you're right. Like that's there are there are a million there are a million small and funny moments. What I love about her is that uh she's opinionated. I love that she uh has a really strong sense of justice. Uh I love that she has overly supportive but religious parents who think that uh, she and Molly are gay and that she's just too shy to tell them even though she keeps on telling them that Those she's not. Those They're amazing. That, um, they're amazing. Lisa Kudrow um, and Will Forte. are both so good in that role and I, I do like that this even though it's hyper-realistic about the kids, all of the adults are like far more insane than any of the teenagers. We made special names for all this stuff. Cheese and Salah. Me being your dad was the greatest honor of my life. Being, Being your, your dad, dad was the greatest, was the greatest <laughs> joy of my life. It's just so good. My favorite is these parents trying to get along, trying to like, like, and genuinely wanting their daughter to be happy, and then like. <laughs> Amy trying to de-escalate the conversation by being like, we'll probably just do Korean masks. <laughs> Lisa Kudra saying, we're probably just going to do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. <laughs> yes. I love the fact that they don't pull away from making, because it's like a, it's a rite of passage for these movies that all of the adults are like far more insane than any of the teenagers. That yeah. allows you to ground yourself in what it is to be an adolescence. Because like, Actually, if you are an adult, you see the behavior of children and you're like, what are you? You're like a different species at this point. <laughs> so it's necessary, I think, to have that so that you don't align yourself with the adults. You align yourself with the kids like that is the function of that in a coming of age story. But I love that they do this. And you also realize like like all of the people, all the adults in this, um, like Amy's parents, oh, man, Miss Fine. And um, and the principal are all ridiculous, but also so sweet and lovable. Probably the principal, the principal, the least least of all. But you still you still feel sorry for him. Like you're like you just feel pathetic for him. It's tough. Uh, Miss Fine is wonderful. Oh my, as well. Jessica Williams, just so good. I also like that they like still give. I feel like there's like a little bit of an. It's not uncommon to have an adult having a inappropriate fant- fantasy-driven relationship with a child in these stories. American Pie does it. Sure. I can think off right at the top of my head. I feel like this is a example of that, but they make it clear to you that it's fine because the kid is of age. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just it's inappropriate because of the power dynamic. Yes. But, but like, it's not, no one thinks she's awesome for doing it, but you also aren't, like, Try, you aren't asked to wave away statutory rape, which no, I really appreciate. No, in fact, it's it consent is established, and and also the ability to consent is established. Cool, 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 cool. Sickening. Something that we've been talking about because it's impossible not to is uh, representations of feminism and intersectionality in this film, and I kind of like have like almost like a greatest hits list of some of the things that I just love because. What's so strong and fun for me about this movie is the way in which, like, it's so casually and easily embeds those values into it. And in ways that are still, like, funny and fun 
Uh, my first example would be when Molly's about to go into like your weird bathroom and Amy says, I'm going to pee in your weird ass bathroom, watch my stuff. Until all of us can pee without genitals, none of us can. Until all of us can pee without genitals, none of us can. Which is just <laughs> a hilarious <laughs> <line>. <laughs> 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 So ridiculous. Also, I'm sorry, are you shutting the door on okay. us? Because that's not subtle. We will persist. We will persist is um <laughs> is a lot of fun when the principal's shutting the door on their face. The overly supportive nature uh, of the exchanges between Molly and Amy. Oh, darling. Are a beautiful example of of feminism and like how female friendships can be really special. No, no. Not acceptable. This is not okay. Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to be this beautiful? Who allowed you to take my breath? Away. Call the paramedics. Nope. Call the police. Because there has been an emergency. I can't look right at it. I feel like I have been lucky to be in female friendships where we've kind of always done this. Like, maybe this is more blown out in, in the way in which they compliment storm each other. But, like, very much like a, you look amazing. You're doing great. You know, like, I'm so happy to be here with you. We're going to, like, hug and build each other up. But, like, I do love the way in which the performativity of the way in which they do it is so fun and funny it totally makes sense because they truly do feel that way but i also think it kind of plays into um the role that women when they when they are feeling loose and their guard is down are actually like i think we have an idea that women are always in competition with each other yeah in my personal experience that is not true very rarely have I been in a situation where I was like, oh, this woman is like being really weird to me because I'm another woman. Very rarely. Very rarely. I would say that most of my experiences are sort of like like drunk girls in bathrooms level of support where, yes. you know, like, like, and that's basically what they're doing that's where they're, they're just doing. like. It's like drunk girls in bathroom level of support. Oh my gosh, that is the most beautiful outfit in the world. I could never wear it. Oh yes, you absolutely could. You'd look beautiful. Do you want to try it on right now? Like, that's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right? Exactly. Like that is, that's, that's how it actually is. And, and, and in sober and real moments, I feel like that's what it's like when yes. women do well in front of each other for the most part. I mean, maybe. Maybe I'm surrounded by exceptional women, but I kind of don't think so. Like, I mean, I do think so. I think it's more universal. I think it's more universal than than we're shown. Uh, I think having it like displayed here and just such like an actualized and like acceptable and also funny way makes it more, you know, will make it more universal. And I think people also act to the expectations you set for them. I feel like men are what cause the problems. Is what I'm not saying. Well, definitely, they're the ones who write the stories. Yeah. Before I went to women's college, I got asked a million times, "Oh, that many girls together? That sounds really hard." And it's like the only real drama at Agnes Scott was if people were literally running for the same office. So like a literal competition. Oh yeah, like an like an explicit competition. Yeah, explicit competition or <laughs> yeah. lesbian drama around like, you know, like uh partners overlapping and shit. Like otherwise Yeah. Angst, romantic angst that romantic, is universal. Yes, romantic for angst is universal. Literal competition is universal. Beyond that, no, it was actually pretty fucking wonderful. So like, you know, it's it's yeah. it's lovely to get to see that just embedded in here. I also love the frank discussion of female pleasure and queerness. Uh, this is when, like, that masturbation scene, like, not, oh, we don't so see good. the masturbating, but the discussion about it is amazing. What if I don't use my hands? 
You can make yourself calm using only your mind? No. That's like the one thing my mind can't do. No. That's the one thing my mind can't do. Yes. Love, I love that whole scene it's so much. so good. That tragic panda. That tragic panda. Just everything about it is so funny and, and, and like <laughs> establishes them both as characters, both as Amy as sort of like, like a person who knows herself, but is like ultimately like meek enough that she doesn't want it because like no one would want to admit no that. No one would That's want embarrassing. to admit that. It's embarrassing. But then you have Molly who like loves her so unconditionally that she teases her mercilessly. But like about not it. in a way that's like no, just like in a just in a like just like in, a in like any way. hilarious way. Does she talk dirty to you? Mm-mm. About how she's in danger. No. Do pandas roar? Stop. <laughs> and then quote open up and it's like so <laughs> I once masturbated with electric tooth- toothbrush and got the worst a horrible UTI horrible and and I just <laughs> love that Amy's response is I wish that would have been a secret but you've mentioned it many many times but you've mentioned it many times so sweet i do think it's slightly unbelievable that amy has never looked at porn i just assume that all children now have seen porn i'm sure that they have again i think that this is like something again like you know it's written by generational 30s and i don't i think i went a very long time without ever watching porn like i think maybe i hadn't seen porn my senior year of high school we're that weird yeah same with i think same for me yeah we're that weird generation where we had the internet but like i mean if, if you were gonna it, find it just wasn't on the internet it was more work and also like got you into some seedy territory you, we had geocity yeah like you couldn't like things were weird yeah you couldn't just type in poor not gross into google and like get good results <laughs> Like, yes, like, no, exactly, you know, exactly. So yeah. yeah, it was it was a different landscape. It was, um, it was. So, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> I do, I do think it's a good moment because I think you kind of get a sense that where Molly has good instincts, Amy like teaches her the language to express how she feels. Like the whole like that's her gender performance. Like, I you kind of have that love moment. that line so much just because it's such a perfect throwaway. Good. I don't even know if she's into girls. I'm good. That was. She wore a polo shirt to prom. Well, that's just her gender performance it's different from her sexual orientation i'm sorry but i don't get it well gender is no, constructive thank you that much i understand well a gender gender is, per, is performative and she's like no yes thank you i understand that but i love that that allows <laughs> yes. for that line to exist in there for people who haven't thought about it or heard about it or talked about it as much like i love that it's just like yes it's here and also we already accept it and that's like the premise and now we're moving on to the next point like love it yes that's very that's very wise um of you to notice and them to do i also like i also like that you kind of it sort of sets you up then to have that moment it's a little bit of a subversion of the normal situation and you can tell it is because molly's really like milking it where she's like i'm sorry i thought you were sex positive you don't watch porn now what has happened like it's just yeah (laughs) which i think leads me to until you tried it don't don't knock it don't knock it until you've tried it i think that it leads to i think the the very best thing that this movie does which is we see sort of these like emblematic young feminists both of them would identify themselves as feminists both of them have feminist ideals both of them 
more Molly, we're shown this more about Molly, but I think it also sort of applies to Amy and her sense of like self in this. Yeah. We see how they have like kind of swung so far on the feminist spectrum that now they're sort of complicit in enforcing some patriarchal norms. Yeah, like no, the ab- whole absolutely. The whole B plot with Annabelle Triple A and and Molly is about that. Where yeah. you have Molly who wants, you know, like considers herself a nasty woman and like has all of these things and we're we're we like it about her, but then we're confronted with the fact that her feminism is pretty white. Like yeah, at the end of the day, a- absolutely, absolutely. And she's young, and it does, it's it makes sense. But like, she's not above slut shaming, which is what she's doing to this woman, who, granted, has like hurt her feelings on multiple levels. But like, she shouldn't fall to that place, you know? Like, it's well, it's and, not and acceptable. I like that that gets challenged, and I like that that gets addressed. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I I laughed at it, but like, until everyone can view without genitals, no one can. That's also, I think, a sign of like being a little bit toned up and a little bit not getting it like you know like they they're they're trying but they're also limited by their perspective and i believe will go to college and become deeper more critical and more intersectional feminists of course they're high school students yeah, yeah. no it makes perfect it, it makes, makes perfect, perfect sense perfect sense where they are right now and it's a it's a solid little lesson about ourselves like i think we're all supposed to if we were girls like molly and amy which we kind of were I, yeah, I wouldn't ab- say like, absolutely. We've, we kind of were, but yeah, mm, like we were reading Bitch magazine. You know, like we were doing our best. Fifty-fifty. We were. Yeah, we. I don't. I would not consider us like academic gunners the way they were. That's like the no, biggest because, difference because that also wasn't in the collective consciousness or the collective dialogue. Like we will persist is a direct reference to the fact that like something that a Republican opposition said, like, got galvanized and became, like, a soundbite and became a part of the collective consciousness, that was not a thing when we were in high school. There just wasn't an equivalent for that. Well, and even more so, like, you and I were not investing our personalities into going into Ivy League school. Neither of us did. No. Um, It wasn't important. We we were both trying to be, like, Supreme Court justices. No. We were both good students. We were smart. But, like, we're not on this level. And that's okay. I'm super happy I wasn't. I think I'm a happy person because I wasn't. Yeah. Um, But, like, but I think that it it kind of shows that if you relate to... It challenges the viewer to interrogate how they felt about um, popular girls if they were a Molly or or an Amy in high school. And I think forces you to reconcile any like sort of like sexual jealousy that you held against those people because they seemed like they could like control this thing which you didn't have a handle on absolutely 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 and i'm glad that we get that moment with uh annabelle in the in the car where like we have her call out the fact that like other girls slut shame her for like enjoying having oral sex with dudes it is important for Annabelle to say that she wants to do it and it is enjoyable for her so yep. that you understand that she is not like a puppet for these dudes. She yeah, is she's not, not she's being choosing used. It. Yeah. She is choosing this. It's something she enjoys. There's truly nothing wrong with it. Like nope. she's not hurting a single human being. It's one of the safer ways you can engage with another person sexually, especially if you're in high school. Like it's fine. It's great. And and it challenges you to be like, yeah, like, why would we make fun of her for that? It's fine. Yeah. And like, also, like, you know, not not to scoop power dynamics later, but like, 
That is a way to, like, both have power and agency in a sexual encounter. Like, you get to be engaged, but also, like, not be as vulnerable. Like, you know, there's a, there's a lot I can, there's a lot I can see that would be. It also never makes it clear whether or not it's reciprocated, which I don't think is necessary. I think that what it's directly addressing is the concept of, like, the slut who blows guys. Like, that is 100%. what it's directly. That's, that's the direct dialogue that's happening. Yeah. And she's saying, no, I'm not. I like doing this. This is a part of my sexual identity. And there's nothing. I'm not hurting anybody when I do this. It's fine. Like, yep. why Why would you make fun of me for this? Yeah. And it's good. Like, I don't think most people, I don't think most movies interrogate it in that way. It's usually done for laughs. It's a joke. Yeah. Um, or it's like the guy likes her, even though she's given someone else a blowjob and we're supposed to, like, give them a cookie for it. Um, yeah. Like it's it's so it's 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 very important. Annabelle is a super important character. Um, yeah, in coming of age stories. The 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 last thing that I wanted to call out just to end on like a lighter note would just be that um, when Jared is taking them to his boat and his leg, and it says prepare to get bashed. Prepare to get bashed. Not not in like a violent way. Completely. Consensual bashing. I don't know if that was clear. Prepare to get consensually bashed. I'll say I'll have him change it. What do you think? Consensually bashed. <laughs> I just love it because we get to we get to talk about consent and and it's amazing. Um, also, respect for Sasha. Like they decide to go into the party because the people uh, who like catered the party catered uh, Sasha Obama's birthday, and it was like I'd like to meet someone who met Sasha. Like, um, I also like it because I think it shows it also shows sort of the hypocrisy like Molly and Amy think that they are better than Jared but Jared is actually just espousing and like living all the things that they like as well like absolutely, absolutely. Prepare, prepare to get consensually bashed they should be on board with that that's like kind of a cool no, thing amazing. he's amazing like, it's an amazing moment I love Jared more. in that moment yeah yeah, he's way more evolved, and I think that it's designed so that the audience... I mean, it's of course he's like a clown, but I think we're sure. designed so that the audience recognizes that before they do, and and sort of, like, questions them about that. Like, you're like, no, this is like a guy that you should be on board with. This is what you want, actually. Yeah. What exactly about him isn't correct? Isn't yeah. something that you should Other applaud? Other than he feels uncool to you. And that's, right, exactly. And that's weak shit. Yeah. Thank you for listening to part one of the Booksmart coverage. Please rate and review the podcast and check out part two on your podcast feeds right now. Outrageous.